Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed, where every week we bust the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding and beyond. I'm not sure if you want to classify today as breastfeeding or if you want to uh, classify it as beyond. I think it's really kind of both. And that is, today I'm going to be talking with you about how to handle the IBLCE exam and stress. This is exam season for those of you who are taking the lactation exam. And in my experience, this is pretty stressful to people. I have been prepping people, depending on how you count, but I first started prepping people for the IBLCE exam in 1993. Do the math, that's a lot of years. And then I got really serious about it in 2004 when I started offering my review course in four different cities. And at one point, I was doing as many as 16 cities and this year, it's pretty much all online. <laughs> uh, certainly, with the pandemic, it has been impossible to have any sort of a live course, but I do expect that that will be coming in the future. So, as I have looked over the years and the stress that I have seen with people, I've realized that I really need to help them get a grip on what this is, because honestly... The questions may change from year to year, but that level of stress and that, uh, I don't know, feeling of, of helplessness or hopelessness or paralysis or something, that seems to be pretty much the same from year to year. I have absolutely seen people that don't get stressed, but I would say most people do get stressed. So... One of the things I hope that I have helped you to do in anything that I have done as related to a podcast or radio show or speech or anything else, I hope I hope that I've helped you to understand that we all have more agency than what we think we have. And it's really important to just face the whatever it is, call it what it is, and deal with it. Don't think it's going to magically go away because it won't. So let's take a look at what stress is. What does it feel like? And how do we recognize those early or maybe subtle signs of stress? And sometimes those signs of stress come early, but they absolutely can and do persist through the, I don't know, the hours or so before the exam and during the exam. No question about it. We all get a little stressed. Now, let's talk about the effect of stress. You're thinking, oh, I'm stressed. I'm not going to do a good job. Well, not, not necessarily true. Some amount of stress is actually good. All righty. So I found myself prepping for this show today. 
and I'm feeling a little stressed. I'm like, oh, we had a power outage and I'm not really quite prepped for the show. And is the power going to come back on? Is everything going to be okay? So what does that mean? That means that I'm really preparing myself maybe more so than I ordinarily would. And that's a good kind of stress. The bad kind of stress is when you are so stressed that you don't perform at your best. So a little goes a long way. Stress can be good, but not too much of it. So one of your questions might be, or really should be, what are the effects of stress? How do we, how does it manifest itself? And I posit to you that this could be a lot of things. It could be your inability to concentrate. And I want to remind you that the exam is four hours long. And unless you have specifically negotiated for a break time, and and I shouldn't say this because I don't know how it is this year, and it's been so goofy the last, I don't know, six or eight months here. But last I knew, you had to negotiate for a break ahead of time. And if you listen to a podcast that I did recently with Melissa Bedward, she had home proctoring and she said she deliberately did not want to have a break because she knew that that meant she had to go through all of the security procedures again with the home monitoring. So I posit to you this. First of all, concentrating for four hours at a time is very difficult. Concentrating for two hours at a time is very difficult. Add to that the fact that you know that this is a comprehensive career critical exam. For some, not all, but for some people, if they blow the exam, they lose their job. It's serious. Or for some, it is if they blow the exam, they don't get the new job. So this, uh, you're, you're sort of mentally rehearsing all of that in your head, whether you know it or not. So what happens? Well, several months before or weeks before, you say, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to prep. I got to study. I got to review. And then you kind of don't. The symptom there is that you are procrastinating, and procrastination will not help you on the exam. Trust me, that will be like the worst thing that you could do. You might as well, once again, you're going to hear me say, hit it head on. There are also some physical signs. Some might be nausea. Some people are so nauseous that they vomit. I've I've never actually seen that with a test taker, but I know that's possible. Sweating. One woman, when we did the paper and pencil versions, said to me, my hands sweat so bad that I can barely hold the pen or the pencil. Some people will be doing hyperventilating. Some people even experience chest pain. Rapid pulse is a big one. You can feel your heart just beat, 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 beating. That's not good. All right. If you have experienced any of those, you know what I mean. So how on earth are you going to be able to perform 
when you have those physical effects, not to mention the fact that you're concentrating because you know that this is a comprehensive career critical exam. So I tell you this because it kind of leads to or is related to what are the three main causes of test anxiety? And by the way, you know how much I'm into evidence-based practice, evidence-based practice. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm going to tell you that there is so much, I don't know if it seems like a lot, but 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 there are studies that talk about uh, test anxiety, their nature, their treatment, and really their causes. So let's take a look at the three main causes. Number one is, guess what? The fear of failure. We all have that fear. I have to admit, even when I go into the exam, and I've taken the exam five times now, and I passed the very first time many years ago, I never had to do a retry, thank heavens, but I still go into that thinking, holy cow, what would happen if I couldn't pass this exam? So what I'm going to tell you is you really need to get that thought out of your head. You've really got to be like, when you were a little kid, did your mother ever read you this book, The Little Engine That Could? And he says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. You have got to be able to think you can. Henry Ford famously quoted, whether you think you can or think you can't, you are right. I don't know when Henry Ford said that, but I know he's been dead for years and years and years and years and years because Henry Ford II was about my father's age. Uh, my father was a Ford agent, so I knew a fair amount about the, the, the Ford family, and I can tell you this was years and years ago. And what have we found in between? We have found that, first of all, that is true just in casual observation. But we've also learned that studies have shown that when you think you can't, you can't. So you've got to like get this out of your head. All right? So many years have passed. How long is it going to take for us to realize that whether we think we can or think we can't? We are right. So number one is fear of failure. Number two is past performance. This is where that fear thing comes in. But it's a little different than fear. Fear is just a thought. But the past performance usually is about the actual proof that somewhere in your past, you either didn't do well, maybe you passed by a whisker, or maybe you failed. And by the way, I've lost track of how many people have said to me, I failed by one point. I failed by one point. This to them is proof that it can happen, and they don't want it to happen again. So number one, fear of failure. Number two, past performance. And number three, this is a huge one, 
unpreparedness. You know, you know somewhere deep down inside of yourself that you have not prepared well enough. And that, my friends, that is a main cause of test anxiety. Because no matter how much you try to push that thought aside, you know that is true. You know, here's a a similar thing. I find so many people who have said, oh, well, you know, I've been a nurse for 27 years on the postpartum floor. I've worked for WIC for 15 years. Uh, These are real stories. I'm not making these up, okay? That does not mean that you are prepared for the test. In my experience, what you do in real life, what I do in real life, and what is on the exam are actually kind of different, all right? So this unpreparedness is a big problem. This then begs the question, what can you do? I'm going to start out by telling you that the one thing that you can always do, you can always reach out for help. I am here. I have got podcasts that have dealt with the exam, prepping for the exam, all of that, and I have got, oh, sheesh, I don't even know how many blog posts I've got about the exam, how to prepare, how to budget your study time, strategies that work, how to, and strategies that don't work, um, how to deal with application level questions. Again, I, I don't know how many blog posts I've got. I would say, I don't know, 50? (laughs) I don't know, a lot. Because, of course, some of them are not directly with the test. They're more like study strategies and things like that. But uh, nonetheless, that all feeds into your preparation or lack thereof. So as you start to think about lack of preparation, ask yourself, why am I unprepared? And for many people, it is, I don't know how to take the first step. I, I, Again, I don't know how many people have said to me, Marie, I don't know where to begin to review for the IBLCE exam. All right, so step one, I would say, is this. Do simple things and do things that are free. So I just talked about my podcast, my blog, Both of those things are free. You can sit there and read those for F-R-E-E, free, my favorite four-letter F word, okay? I also, and I would really encourage you to do this, sign up for my Mondays with Marie. I will repeat that. It's Mondays with Marie, and it's free, F-R-E-E. How do you get that? Well, I haven't... (laughs) I haven't signed up myself. I just host it, all right? But I believe that you just go to mariebiancuso.com. I'll spell that for you. It's M-A-R-I-E-B-I-A-N-C-U-Z-Z-O, mariebiancuso.com. And we've got a banner there that says Mondays with Marie. Click on the banner and just sign up. It's free. Don't miss it. And I will answer any questions that you have. 
as related to the test or as related to eligibility, which I consider to be a, another whole thing. Uh, if you are starting your private practice, whatever is on your mind, I am there for 30 minutes. I will take your question. So this goes back to what can you do that's the first steps. First steps, do things that are simple, do things that are free. Oh, here's another one that just dawned on me. I also have a free 1,000 plus terms as related to breastfeeding and lactation. It's on my website. That's moraybiancuso.com. And I always urge people to take a look at that and to really use it. A lot of people think, oh, you know, I'm pretty, I kind of know this stuff. Uh, well, I'm more or less, no, well, I'm not actually sure if I know this stuff. So if you get those 1,000 plus terms, and by the way, it started out being 1,000 terms. I think by now, I think it's probably closer to 1,500. But the real purpose of that is to give you a wake-up call. When you see a word on there that you don't know what it is, you are not going to be able to answer the question. It is really as simple as that. I don't know if I told this story before, but I will tell it now. <clears throat> I know I told it in a blog post somewhere. When I took the registered nurse exam more years ago than I can remember, I do remember that there was a question on there. Well, the first question, the very first question was on eye surgery. And I thought, oh, man, I am dusted. And this is only the first question. I've never had a quest I've never had a patient that had eye surgery. I don't remember reading a word about it in the book. So and and by the way, that gets you on a real negative tra- trajectory. You really don't want to go there. All right. Well then I got into another couple of questions, and lo and behold, now I've got a question on gastroschesis. I remember feeling just defeated. I thought, is the whole test gonna be like this? I have no idea what gastroschesis is. Is it uh, uh, a bump on the head? Is it some kind of allergy? Is it uh, some kind of drug? Well, no, I would have known drug drug isn't. But I really didn't have any idea what it was. So later, I told one of my old instructors about it. And I said, man, that just so did me in. And she said, well, Marie, lesson to be learned here. If you had known that gastroschisis was some sort of gastrointestinal congenital problem, you might have been able to answer the question or at least been able to eliminate a couple of the wrong answers. I said, oh, yeah, right. So remember, and I'll tell you another thing too. When I run a live course, I give a uh, mock exam at noontime. And if there are four options, sometimes I sneak in something for a wrong option just by using a big word. Okay? So one of the options can be craniosynostosis. And I know that people don't know what craniosynostosis is. All right? But guess what? Every time, every single course, every single city, every single year, somebody will pick the answer, I should say the option, that is not the correct answer, simply because they don't know the meaning of the term. So get that terminology list. All right. So I mentioned the Mondays with Marie. Uh, I would also strongly suggest that you sign up for my newsletter. We give a lot of tips and tricks and summaries and whatnot. Just go to moribiancuso.com, 
create an account. All you need there is your name and your email, and we will be able to reach you in that way too. Again, that's free. This podcast is free. Get my old podcasts as related to exam prep. All right, when you get closer to the actual day, a simple thing that you can do is whatever it is that helps you to burn off your anxiety. And the number one thing that I'm going to recognize, I'm going to recommend for you is movement of some kind. Exercise would be great. Vigorous exercise would be even greater. So if you can go for a run, go for a jog, get on your elliptical machine, that's what I would do. In my younger day, I would be dancing around the room because dancing burns calories and helps me to burn off that anxiety. Nowadays, I have a little knee trouble, so I'm not as likely to do that. But but pick something that is going to help you for free, for simple, something that will help you to burn off that anxiety. Work with your body instead of against it. I would suggest drinking plenty of water, but I would also say, remember, if you have a small bladder, then you're going to have to interrupt yourself and use the restroom before you continue the exam. So, I don't know. You, I, I worked a lot of years in labor and delivery, and I had to learn to uh, not be visiting the restroom when I wanted to. So I swear that to this day, I still have what I call a labor and delivery sized bladder. I, I, <laughs> I really can hold a lot. Um, but water is good for you. But if you can't do that, at least cut out the, re- or at least reduce your caffeine intake. So the three cups of coffee, which actually aren't cups, they're actually mugs. And oh, by the way, two of them were mugs. The other one was a venti. Yeah, all of that caffeine can leave you a little shaky. So cut that out. Refined sugar can make your blood glucose levels fluctuate. So you're going to want to cut that out. Try some sort of relaxation techniques. I'm not sure how much I've talked about on this show, but... I believe that somewhere on my blog, I think I talked about yoga. I know that in several places I've talked about pranayama. And I will spell that for you. It's pranayama, P-R-A-N-A-Y-A-M-A, pranayama. It is an ancient Indian technique and has been around for more than 4,000 years that we know of. I have an app on my phone, and I like that because it gives you either music or tones. I use the tones, not the music. But it will. It, what you do is you sync your breathing to the pranayama. And by the way, there is a light version and there is a paid version. I have both. Honestly, I don't know what I bothered to pay for the uh, bigger one for because I thought that the free one was actually pretty much, well, it doesn't give you as many choices, but it's still very, very good so that you really do that breathing in rhythm. And I will tell you, it is one of the most powerful anti-anxiety measures that I know of. 
And I've heard Dr. Andrew Weil say this as well. In fact, actually, I believe his exact quote was, it is the most helpful um, anti-anxiety thing. What did he call it? Uh, Technique. The most uh, anti-anxiety technique that I know. And certainly I can tell you it's worked for me. Now, I've talked about hypnosis. We had someone on the podcast come on and talk about hypnosis as related to uh, milk letdown. We've had someone talk about hypnosis and birth. And certainly I have blogged about the effects of hypnosis in labor. It's really just self-hypnosis, okay? I do not have any relationship with this guy. I just love his stuff. But his name is, uh, well, there are two actually that I like. Uh, one is Andrew Johnson, and he has one called Success, and that is a hypnosis. It's a self-hypnosis. I want to say I paid about $4 for it, maybe less, and that helps you to visualize your success. Uh, There is also one that is specific to test anxiety, and that's by Barry St. John, B-A-R-R-I-E, I believe he spells his name, Barry St. John. And my all-time favorite, Max Kirsten. And Max was my guest here on the podcast many years ago. He At, at this moment, I don't know that this is going to be true tomorrow, but <laughs> at least right now, and remember, I pre-record these, Max has got a thing on his website that gives you my very favorite uh, hypnosis piece, and it's called Relax Now. So I am looking at this on his site right now, and it is absolutely free as an MP3 download. I would strongly suggest that you get that. I bought it I bought it for real money many years ago. I don't know, more than a decade ago. And I cannot tell you how many hundreds or maybe thousands of times I have used it for myself. When I give a live course, I almost, and, and by the way, on on the one that I own, there is both a 15-minute program and a one-hour th- uh, uh, one program. And when I teach a live course, over the lunch hour, I take the 15-minute course. It's not really a course. It's really a just a recording, but in fi- inside of 15 minutes, I am astonished at how much that just really helps me to just relax and to focus. So Barry St. John's is good because he specifically goes for test anxiety. So I would suggest that. All right. So what else can you do? You could consider essential oils. And for that, I would suggest that you go and visit Dr. Josh X, and that is A-X-E. He is a naturopath, and he really knows his essential oils. So go there and do a search for something like, um, oh, relaxation or calming or something like that. And I'm sure that he will give you a suggestion. That's where I go for my suggestions about uh, herbs that help one, to, or I should say aromas, that help one to relax. Now, here is a big one, and that is visualization techniques. That is similar to but different from expressive writing. And expressive writing is similar to but a little bit different than journaling. 
any of those things can be used. They are easy. They are simple. There's nothing to learn. There's no equipment to buy. It is absolutely free, F-R-E-E, okay? And there was a good study done by Doherty and colleagues on implementing expressive writing and intervention for test anxiety in a large college course. And I would strongly suggest that you understand how this this works, okay? And it doesn't cost anything. So you can try that. Uh, Similarly, you should be aware that when you visualize yourself as successful, this goes back to if you think you can or if you think you can't, you're right. One of the things that you might do if you are somebody who's sitting for the exam the first time, try writing out your name followed by IBCLC. So Sally Smith, IBCLC, Sally Smith, IBCLC. What this helps you to do, and I would, by the way, I would write that many, 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 many times. I can tell you that I wrote Moribian Kuzo RN many, many, many times. And to this day, I swear to God, it's the only thing that got me through my RN exam on the first try because I'm kind of not really a very good test taker. Okay. This one, oh, by the way, here's another thing. Studies have shown that negativity, when you go around saying this exam is too hard, these questions are too rotten, where do they come up with this? Why do they make us do this anyway? Blah, 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 blah. All of that negativism really feeds your negative brain. It does not help your cerebral cortex to do what you've got to do. Along with that, as long as, as long as I mentioned cerebral cortex, I have to tell you that uh, I'm reading this interesting book by Dr. David Rock, and he the name of the book is, I believe, How the Brain Works, and he says that we can only have two or three things at the front of our brain at the same time. So if you're thinking about multiple things, that's not going to help. Really try to focus on one, maybe two things. Otherwise, your study will be in vain. Haven't you ever read a paragraph more than once and you say, holy cow, I don't remember what I wrote, uh, what I read? Okay. This one is obvious, but make sure you do it. Ugh, it just drives me crazy when I see somebody will buy one of my practice exams at nine o'clock at night, the night before the exam. And there's nothing I can do about it. It's on my website. It's for sale. Well, I guess I could take it off sale. Uh, But then I think somebody would probably just be mad. But I don't recommend doing that. I think that that can really be stressful and it keeps you awake. You need to go and get a good night's rest. So I would say practice exams are a fabulous way of studying. I could talk about the research behind that, too. There's a wonderful... uh, I'll, I'll... there is a study. Let me see if I can talk about that later. But the the whole idea here is that you really need to go and get good rest, uh, certainly the night before the exam, but several nights before the exam would be even better. None of us can perform at peak uh, abilities, peak performance, unless we have good sleep. And actually, there's a whole book out on that, too, called Guess What? rest. 
And I had the opportunity to hear the author here a while ago. That was also a very interesting book. Okay, so I gave you, depending on how you count, but basically one, two, three, four, five, six main things that you can do. And I'm going to just recap those. Number one, do simple or free things. Number two, work with your body instead of against it. Number three, practice some sort of relaxation technique. Number four, consider using essential oils as aromatherapy. Number five, I count this as all of these as number five, but they're all a little bit different. Uh, Visualization techniques, expressive writing, journaling. And number six, adequate sleep. But I'm going to tell you that you absolutely must do number seven, which is do the work. Do the work. Some time ago, I read a book on that, too, and I think it was from Charles Duhigg. And he really talked about the fact that we try to skeever her out of it, but we've got to do the work. He even talks about resistance, and he always talks about it with a capital R. He kind of personifies resistance. We kept thinking, oh, no, I don't want to do this. I'll do this later. Well, maybe somebody else can do this for me. Is there a shortcut to doing this? And he basically says, no, you got to do the work, okay? So whether it is getting a job, getting a promotion, writing a book, giving a podcast, (laughs) or taking an exam, you've got to do the work. So... Get prepared, and there are several study techniques that you can use, and there are several resources that you can find on my site. So, for example, I just mentioned the practice exams. I have three practice exams, which are startlingly similar to the real thing. I have tried to write them with the same breadth of topics, They cover all seven disciplines. They are difficult. uh, All of the items are written at the application level. They are all geared to be done inside of a four-hour window. There's the same number of items as there are on the real IBLCE exam. That is 175 questions, 775 items, I should say. Question is just part of the item. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Uh, they, they all have four, sometimes three or sometimes five options, but usually four options. They are, I believe, as close to the real thing as you are ever going to find. Let me tell you what is different about my practice exams as related to the real exam. You can use them multiple times. You can wear them out for all I care. I don't care. We have even got it rigged so that the options are scrambled. So, in other words, if, uh, I don't know, weigh the baby is option A this time, the next time that you take the exam, weigh the baby might be option C or option D or something. So we've tried to make it so that you can go back, really test yourself again. And I always suggest that the first time people just go through it. Just get a sense for what you're facing and how you feel. But at some point, you need to sit down and do the whole thing from beginning to end in a four-hour block. 
And I've got three of them like that. All right. So the percentages of questions in each discipline, I have very carefully arranged so that you get the feeling of what, like the heft, if you will, of each discipline is going to be. For example, there are, everybody seems to have trouble with the pharmacology piece. Everybody seems to have trouble with that. But really, it's the smallest percentage of the IBLCE exam. So I would suggest that you do those. But here's another way that you can approach it. I also have drill questions. The drill questions just drill down. I think that they are more narrow. I don't know if that's even the right word, but it will be on a specific topic and definitely in a specific discipline. Oh, I forgot to tell you about my practice exams. It will tell you which of the seven disciplines you are strongest or weakest in. We give you a printout. Now, what you could do from there is if you say, well, gee, I performed really badly in the pathophysiology section, which, by the way, a lot of people perform badly in the pathophysiology section. If so, then you might want to move from there to one of the disciplines, the the discipline drill, where I give the seven disciplines and you can just do many, many questions on each discipline. If memory serves me correctly, I believe that there's 185 of those all together. And of the seven disciplines, there is more or less 25 in each discipline. So for the lighter weight ones, sometimes it's only 22 questions, whereas in some of the fatter ones, it's more like 28 or 30 questions or something like that. But it kind of hovers around 25 in each discipline. Now, of course, what I would really like to suggest to you is that you look at my tried and true. I cannot tell you how many of these have been done over the last years, but that is my uh, lactation exam review. I have been doing the lactation exam review literally hundreds of times. Well, I shouldn't say that hundreds, if not thousands of people, I have presented it live more than 150 times since 2004 in multiple cities throughout the United States. However, it is also all online, so you can do it all online if you wish. Once you buy the package, it should be loaded into your account within a few minutes, and you can do the whole thing all online. There are three different versions of it, so you can kind of pick which one is going to do the job for you. I would strongly urge you to realize, here's here's some of the criticisms that I get. One of the criticisms is, um, Marie, some of these are the, just the same old topics. Well, yeah, they are. That's because... Having taken the IBLCE exam myself, I will tell you that there are some recurring topics. I think you absolutely should be prepared to, for example, face a question on a baby with cleft lip and palate. You absolutely should be prepared to face a question, or more than one, on the International Code of Marketing of Breast Milk Substitutes. 
How do I know that? Well, because it's on the detailed content outline. They are very clear in saying that. There's no mystique there, okay? There's nothing confidential about that. They are very clear in that. So, yeah, I've got those questions on the practice test. I've got that content in the review package. There is something for everybody and everybody's budget and everybody's knowledge deficit level, okay? So are there going to be some that you can kind of blow right through and say, oh, geez, Marie, I knew that. Well, yeah, but remember that there's somebody else who is going to look at that same piece of content or that same test item and say, holy cow, I had no idea about that. So, you know, everybody is a little different. I I can't make it perfect for everybody. I guess that's what I'm going to say. One of the things that has been very popular with my uh, lactation exam package is that it comes in very small chunks. Some of those chunks are only like six to 10 minutes or six minutes, eight minutes, 12 minutes, so that you can get a lot of studying done in a small amount of time. So I think that that will be especially helpful for you when you're trying to like just juggle a whole bunch of things. So the idea here is that you really want to be prepared because as we know, the three main causes of test anxiety are fear of failure, the understanding of your past performance or lack of performance, and your unpreparedness. Of those, you can control some of the fear of failure. You can somewhat gloss over what you've done in the past. But the one thing that you have full control over is being prepared. You can absolutely be prepared. And I'm not going to tell you that it will eliminate all of your anxiety. But I'm going to tell you that it can reduce a lot of your anxiety. And I'm sitting here looking at about eight, yeah, about eight different uh, studies that go on to say that stress and anxiety are related to your test performance. So those are the ideas that I have for you. And I would say, the oh, oh, before I go out, I want to tell you two things. Uh, remember that chunking things down into bite-sized pieces is helpful, which is why I've made those small chunks of learning for you in that lactation exam review package. But I also want to tell you that even for the, if you want to go in the other direction, a favorite technique of mine is called, it's not mine, but it was invented by a, uh, I think he was a 16th century Italian. And it is the Pomodoro technique, where you put your kitchen timer on. I actually have a thing on my phone that does it for me. And I've got one on my iPad. The one on the iPad is called Tomato Timer. And it will count down for you however many minutes you want to study in a chunk. I don't use it so much for study as I use it for writing. So if I say, look it, I am going to finish off a blog post in 50 minutes. I'm going to do it in 50 minutes. I'm going to take a 10-minute break. I'm not going to, I don't care what happens at the end of the 50 minutes. I'm done for today. 
or I'm done for this afternoon or whatever. So that's another way that you can get control of your time and break this down. Remember, how do you eat an elephant? Well, one bite at a time. Bite-sized pieces are really helpful. Okay, so that's all I've got for you today. I would encourage you, invite you, invite you to go to mariebiancuso.com. You will find several, I'm talking dozens here, of resources that are free, and you don't know which one is going to help you. So feel free to look around, do the downloads of the freebies, whatever it takes. But by all means, just take the help I'm offering you, okay? Because I know it's really stressful. Again, that is mariebiancuso.com. I will see you there. And in the meanwhile, I want you to remember, you can do this. And every baby was born to be breastfed. You're going to be there to help. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.